All right, hey, good evening, Summit Church. It's great to see you guys here tonight. Uh, my name is Andy, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, yeah, it's good to be with you. Uh, we're, we're grateful that you're here. I know some of you are uh, traveling here, you're visiting here with us uh, this week, and if that's the case, thanks for joining us. And uh, anybody else who's new, we just love that you're here with us. Uh, hey, I've got a lot of people who have asked me uh, in the last couple of days, did the Barleys have their baby? And yes, uh, the Barleys actually did have their baby this week. Yeah, uh, Brian's actually here up front. And, uh, and uh, you know, everybody's doing great. Gracie's doing great. Megan's doing great. Brian uh, still recovering a little bit, so uh, I think he's going to make it through. But uh, you can let them know that you're excited for them, pray for them, uh, and even just maybe find a way to encourage them this week. But yeah, everybody's doing awesome. So that's great news for our church. Uh, as Justin said, we are spending the summer in the book of James. We are looking at what James says, uh, what it looks like to live a life of faith and mission. And I'm excited about this. I've been looking forward to this, even just over the last few weeks. The last few weeks, I've been gone, actually. We've been on vacation. And, um, and so it's been like almost three weeks since I've been here in the PM. And uh, and, and since being away, I mean, it was great to get away. We were on vacation, so we were able to just really rest and refresh a great bit. And, uh, and it was fun just uh, being on a beach and being able to read a lot of books and play with my kids in the sand and run through the ocean and all that kind of stuff. But I, I will say, uh, being away for that long from you guys really just reminded me, um, first, how much I missed you. I mean, I really missed you. I really love our church. And when I say our church, I don't mean this building, this very hot building. Uh, I missed you. Uh, I missed you guys. We love you guys so much. And, uh, and I just had some time to think about this and just remembering how much I love you, so many of you, for so many different reasons. Those of you, um, I don't know, those of you who would just call the Summit Church your church home, um, I really love you. I love just the way uh, you've committed your life to deeply loving God and knowing God and loving this church and even our city, and you have just been a constant encouragement to me, and I really love you. Uh, I, I think about those of you who maybe you don't consider the summit your church home, but maybe at the very least you consider this church a, a safe place, a, a safe place to come and maybe ask questions, and you're still figuring out a lot of this, and, and you're kind of curious about the the Christian faith, and, it, and if at the very least you, you consider this a safe place to come and be present, we're really grateful for you. I love you too. I love that you're here. I love that you're willing to kind of walk alongside us as we do this. Um, I, I love those of you who perhaps Christianity is nothing new to you. Perhaps maybe you were even almost essentially born into this, and, and you've been doing this for as long as you can possibly remember but maybe you're at a point in your life, maybe it's because of life circumstances, maybe you've just grown up, maybe for a whole host of reasons, maybe you find yourself now just kind of in that stage where you're kind of examining this in a different way. You're not really sure if, if the Christian faith is still for you. Maybe it's one of those things where you feel like your head is in it, you cognitively agree with all of this, but you don't really feel like your heart is in it. And if that's you, um, let me just say, I I'm really grateful for you too. I really love that you're here. I love that you're just even able to be honest about where you're at right now. I feel like that's a gift uh, to our church and a gift to many other people. And I'm, I'm just grateful that you're here with us as we do this. I just love you guys. I love our church. I love the way that you guys sacrifice so much to be here week in and week out. Uh, there are so many other things that you could be doing. And uh, yeah, over the last couple of weeks, I just had a lot of time to think about that. Uh, we drove almost 4,000 miles, went all the way to the East Coast and back. And so uh, I had a lot of time to think. And, uh, and as I was driving, as long as... Uh, the kids were sleeping, or as long as everybody was happy, or as long as we weren't listening 
to the Harry Potter audiobooks, which, have you guys heard of Harry Potter? I, I just discovered Harry Potter. Like, literally, I'm, like, always really late to the game when it comes to anything pop culture. I just discovered Harry Potter, like, last week, and... I don't know if I should say it's changed my life, but it's come really close to changing my life. In fact, even after our vacation was over, I uh, got home, and, uh, and it was just the other night. My wife doesn't know this, uh, but she's not here, so I'm going to tell you anyways. Uh, we were laying in bed, snuggling, and then eventually I did the, like, oh, I'm going to roll over, and I pulled out my iPhone and literally put it between my ear and the pillow and listened to chapter after chapter well past midnight. That has nothing to do with my sermon at all, other than the fact that I had a lot of time to think. Uh, you know, you're driving through states like Kansas, you just have like tons of time to think, there's nothing else to do. And uh, the, the, the two things, the two things that I really thought about um, over the last couple of weeks was one, how much I love you, how much I love our church. And secondly, the book of James. The, the beauty and, and the challenge and the encouragement and just the very heart behind the words that James speaks to us in this letter. I mean, this was, these were the two things that I felt like I was most aware of that were kind of pressed on my heart during our time away. And, and tonight, particularly for those of you who maybe find yourself struggling to believe right now, for those of you who feel like, yeah, my head is in this, but my heart feels way behind right now. For those of you who are just even on the outside looking in, just examining, like, what is this Christian faith truly all about? I think this is a great week for you to be here. Because tonight, I feel like if James, the author of this letter, if James was with us this evening, I, I think he would say in many ways that this passage of scripture, this is for you. This is for you. This is to help you. This is to encourage you. This is to build some confidence within you. And ultimately, this is to, to help you see clearly in the simplest way possible what it means to be a follower of Jesus today, what it means to be a Christian today. Because that's what James is going to do in this passage. In the simplest way possible, James is going to show us the two fundamental aspects of following Jesus today. The two fundamental aspects of following Jesus today. And the first one that we'll see tonight is receiving the word of God and then doing the word of God. Receiving the word of God and then doing the word of God. All right, those are the two things we're going to see uh, as we walk through this passage. Hopefully you have that Bible in front of you because uh, we're just going to try to walk through this, hit as many verses as we possibly can. And uh, yeah, we're going to start in verse 19 to see what James says about receiving the word. All right, look at verse 19 with me again. He starts by saying, know this, my beloved brothers. Now let's just stop. Like, I love how he starts this because I feel like this is the very thing maybe that was encouraging me this past week. My beloved brothers. It's as, as, as if he's trying to say here like, hey, before I tell you anything about what you should do or how you should change, here's what you need to know. You are loved you are loved. You are loved by me. You are loved, more importantly, by God himself. We are brothers in Christ. You are beloved. I love how he starts this, this amazing, strong gospel love here. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, it was about four years ago, uh, I received a book. It was actually a collection of essays from various pastors and, uh, and counselors, and it was on the topic of anger. And, uh, and I remember reading through the entirety of this, uh, this book, these collection of essays, and, uh, and I read through it, and I thought, well, this is pretty interesting, 
but I don't feel like the majority of people that I pastor have issues with anger. And like relationship issues, sure. Commitment issues, of course. Addictions, yeah. But when it comes to anger, it felt like, well, I don't know, like not so much. But then, then something happened in our church. Remember, this is about four years ago that I received this book. Actually, a lot of things happened. First, some of you got married. And then you began doing life with like a seriously flawed person. Now, others of you, uh, not only did you get married, but some of you had kids. I know not everybody in the PM has kids, but some of you did have kids, maybe more than one kid, two kids, three kids. And you began doing life with not just one seriously flawed person, but maybe two or three or four other seriously flawed people. Of course, not you, but them. And some of those people, like in the family, some of them love to put those flaws on display in very loud, dramatic ways. And, you, you know, and, and, and there's just, just a reality of that your life has changed. You know, even some of you who are not married and don't have kids, something happened in your life. What happened? Some of you joined our church. And you took seriously the call that we've, we've kind of put out to live in community with other people. And you shared your life, you've opened your life, you've committed, you've made commitments even when it's hard to stay commitment and people let you down and it's hard and roommates are frustrating and they don't live up to all your expectations. And now, so four years later, that little collection of essays on anger, it's no longer just interesting, it's like gold. I think it's one of those things I reference almost once a week, and I'm sharing articles with people. You see, James, the reason why he brings up anger, the way we speak to one another, I don't know, I just read this passage. I feel like I read this passage, and I just think, like, James gets us. Like, James gets me. James understands the human struggle, even 2,000 years before our time. I mean, just listen to these words again. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Can you imagine what your day would look like? If just for one day, if every single person you encountered for just one day lived in this way, like every single person that you encountered was quick to listen to you and slow to speak and slow to anger, it would feel like a dream, wouldn't it? It'd be like, this cannot be reality right now. This is strange. This is weird. Man, like no issues with coworkers, no arguments with a spouse, no frustrations with a roommate. If we were quick to hear and slow to speak, what would that do? Now, I see this all the time in marriages, mine included, where you know, you're upset and you're fighting, you're frustrated, you're feeling attacked. And if I'm meeting with people about this, a lot of times, like partly through a conversation, eventually I'll just stop them and just ask somebody, hey, can I ask you a question? Do you feel heard? Like, do you feel heard right now? Do you feel understood? It's like, no. No, of course not. Uh, you're got so quick to speak, you're just going back and forth, back and forth. The only listening you're doing is to hear something that might give you some more ammunition to fight back. Of course you're angry. Of course that's the natural result here. You know, some of you, when we talk about anger, for some of you, anger is something more than just even this feeling, you know, kind of the end of a day where you're just grumpy or hangry. It's more than that. It's something where some of you maybe even just feel like you've been in an extended season of anger. You know, maybe it's because of anger at a parent or anger at a friend or anger at God for a whole host of reasons. And what happens? Like that anger never just stays surface level, does it? Eventually it begins going deeper and deeper and deeper until you find yourself becoming bitter and cynical 
and you're almost transforming into this person that you don't want to be, you don't even like, but it's, it almost feels inescapable and it's exhausting. James is just so helpful here. Like, he, he knows your struggle. And what does he say to the wife who's bitter, to the dad who's angry, to the friend who just feels frustrated, the roommate who's frustrated? Verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. In other words, you want to stop this cycle of anger. You want to become the type of person who's just like really enjoyable to be around. You want to be the type of person who's patient and kind and quick to listen, slow to speak. You want to become a Christian. You want to experience even just the saving grace of Jesus, the, the, the hope eternal. James doesn't say, well, just stop being angry and just change your behavior. Or here are five ways to communicate better to a friend. No, what does he say? He says, receive the word of God. It will save you. Now, I think if we're being honest, like for most of us, this is pretty counterintuitive. This is not naturally the way that we tend to think, at least not the way that I tend to think. You know, we think about any imaginable area of your life that you want to change, just think about any area of your life that you would want to change or any area that you would want to improve, and how do we normally expect to do that? How do you normally expect to bring about any amount of great change in your life, whether that's at work or at home or maybe in some hobbies or even your body, any of those things? What is it? It's hard work. It's determination, it's taking control by any means necessary, whatever it costs, whatever you can do to secure the outcome, that's how we bring about change in our life. And what does James come along and do and say here? He says, no, it's not really that. You kind of just receive it. You you just kind of receive this like a gift. Like you unwrap it, you receive it, you're thankful for it, you rejoice in it, you walk in it. He's saying you receive the word of God and it will save you. See, James, here's, the, here's what we have to understand. Like James, he isn't just addressing our behavior, like the way you talk or, or your anger, or he's not just trying to help you get out of a funk that you feel like you've been in for the last few months. No, he's reminding us first and foremost that the relationship that you have with God always bleeds into the relationship you have with others. The relationship that you have with God always bleeds into the relationship you have with others. You're angry at God, you're going to be angry with others. You're not feeling loved by God, you're not going to feel loved or show love to others. You're apathetic towards God right now, you're, you're going to feel apathetic towards others and you'll convince yourself that's how others feel even about you. And James gets it, he knows, he knows how you feel right now, he knows where you're frustrated right now, he knows why you're, you're, you're angry, he knows why you're tired, and this is why he says, hey, you want to break that cycle? Hey, you want to become healthy? You want to change? You want to know God? You want to be known by God? You first start by receiving the word of God. This is how you faithfully, this is how you healthily follow Jesus. It not only begins, but it's forever sustained by receiving the word of God. It's by allowing the word of God, the Bible, to be implanted into your heart. Allowing the Bible to be implanted into your life so that it will change you. It will transform you. It will begin to, to renew you, not only so, so you'll just see the truth of who God is within the pages of Scripture, but you'll actually encounter the living God himself. That's what happens when we open the Scriptures and receive the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. What most concerns me as a pastor in our city 
what most concerns me as a pastor in our city, it's not the handful of crazy social issues that we face on a daily basis. It's not like legalized marijuana. It's not trying to compete with Red Rocks or the Broncos. Those are not the things that most concern me. You know the thing that most concerns me as a pastor here? It's our people missing out on the opportunity to hear from God. It's our people missing out on the opportunity to receive the word of God that will literally save your souls, that will save your marriage, that will save your friendships, that will save your future for some of you, that will save everything. Man, like, that's what most concerns me. That's what almost scares me here, even like the danger or deception, James will later use this word in just a few verses, the deception that you could place yourself in by not actively, consistently receiving God's word. Now, I understand, I mean, I think for many of us, particularly those of you who maybe have grown up around this, this might not be the easiest way to look at the Bible. For some of us, we look at the Bible and it's just like, I'm just not really sure where to start with this. For some of you, it's like, this is just kind of confusing. For some of you, you even approach the scriptures and it's like, you know, I'm just a little suspicious of whether or not this is true. I'm just kind of skeptical by nature. And I understand that. We understand that. I mean, the summit, we really strive to be the type of church that uh, we don't ignore those types of concerns. We don't pretend like they don't exist. We don't uh, minimize them in any way. If that's you, um, we really are glad that you're here. We really are. But here is just where I think James, in the most gracious and loving way, he's trying to push us towards change. He's trying to, to help us change our posture towards the Bible itself. Trying to reorient the way that we approach the scriptures. I love what uh, Eugene Peterson says about this. He was a pastor and a writer for years, and this is what he said. Uh, he said, in a world filled with lies and manipulations, we've learned a hermeneutics of suspicion, a refusal to take things we read at face value. And that's important because it protects us against those who would take advantage of us. But, but after our suspicion has allowed us to dispense with all the junk we encounter, we need to come to scripture with a second naivety so that we can bring a hermeneutic of adoration to reading it. What he's saying here is that when we come to the Bible, we come not only with this, this reverence for what it is, but also this humility, a renewed belief that I need this. This is where our hope lies. You know, this is just really practically, this is just what we believe as a church. I mean, this is the very reason why we function the way we do every single Sunday. It's the very reason why uh, the scriptures are so central to our gatherings, even on a night like tonight. Like the songs that we just sang, like they're just infused with scripture. That's the very reason why we're just even reading the scriptures throughout our time together. The reason why we uh, teach through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We just desire to be a word-centered people, a people of the book. It's the reason why we even encourage you. I encourage you to be reading the Bible throughout the week by yourself or in community with other people like a city group because we think it's so important for you to have a healthy diet, a steady intake of God's word in your life on a daily basis. It's like water to your souls. In fact, um, maybe this is just, I, I don't know, like a lot of you have even asked me, um, even this morning, I had a number of people ask me like, hey, where do I like, where do I even start here? Like, how can I begin to even just jump in to reading the Bible in a more consistent way? And uh, here's what I think. Uh, right now, we're in the book of James for about the next seven weeks. 
All right, we're going to be studying this all summer as a church family. And, uh, and if you want to do this, if you're just interested in getting a little bit more consistent in reading the Bible, here's what I would do. James has five chapters. And if you just even read one chapter a day for the next seven weeks, man, like, can you just imagine the grasp that you would have on this book as we go through this series? If you just read a chapter a day for the next seven weeks, I believe God would love to even honor that in your life. God would love to change you, even transform you during that time. So that's a, maybe just an easy way for you to begin doing this starting tomorrow morning, reading a chapter from James and allowing that to change you, all right? That's the first point. That's what, what James is going to try to help us understand here. The first fundamental aspect of following Jesus is that it's marked by receiving the word of God. You hear it, you read it, you're consistently, actively receiving the word of God. Now, secondly, this is where James is going to make a little bit of a shift. He's going to go from receiving the word to doing the word, doing the word. And this is, uh, you know, this is interesting because James begins to ramp this up a little bit. It gets a little bit more intense in what he says um, because James is going to say the whole receiving the word thing, it only really matters if it leads to doing the word. Look what he says in verse 22. Verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. All right, that's what he's saying. Hey, if you're going to faithfully follow Jesus, it's not enough to just hear the word. It's not enough just to receive the word. You've got to actually do it. That's the other side of the coin. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Now remember, this is kind of helpful, hopefully. Uh, if you can remember, we said last week that James is writing to mostly new Christians. They're trying to figure out their faith. They're trying to figure out what it looks like to faithfully follow Jesus Christ. And you know, it's kind of new to them. So James is coming along just to help them. And as he's helping them, he's also trying to warn them. He's warning us too. He just doesn't want us to be swept up into some sort of counterfeit Christianity. There was a lot of that then. There's a lot of that even still today. And that's why he says in verse 22, look what he says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. You see what he says deceived there? Meaning one, you can be deceived. Meaning it's easier than you might think to be deceived. It's not hard to get certain things wrong, especially big things that really matter. That's what James is trying to, to warn us here. Things that have implications on some of the most important areas of your life. But secondly, I, I think James suggests here that one of the greatest, even one of the most tragic of all deceptions is self-deception. You see how he says that in verse 22? Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He says it again in verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, his religion is worthless. He's saying one of the greatest and most tragic of all deceptions is self-deception. Why? Well, when you're self-deceived, well, first, I mean, think realistically, when you're self-deceived, you don't know that you're deceived, right? It, you know, you're convinced you're right, right? And, and when you have deceived yourself, you've instantly then become the least qualified person to diagnose your own self-deception. It's like a terrible trap, right? You know, it, it's almost hard to get out of it. And we see this all the time. I mean, you probably even know how this goes in your own life, I feel like, in our city and in our church even. Uh, there are just so many different examples of where, uh, you know, we've been deceived and 
it's just really hard to kind of step away from it. I mean, you just think about there's those times in your life where even though all of your roommates, even though all of your closest friends, even though your parents are speaking into your life, telling you, hey, that sounds like a terrible idea. I don't think you should get back together with that guy after the 12th time. And what do you say? No, I kind of know he's changed. It's a little bit different now. I'm convinced I'm right. You know, there's other examples where, you know, it's your closest friends, your your parents, your city group, whatever it might be, speaking into your life saying, hey, like, it kind of seems like you're making some bad choices right now, and, and it doesn't seem like you're very healthy right now, and it seems like you're going to get disconnected, and you're convinced, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm in control, everything is good, and it all comes back to what? I know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. James is saying you are treading on very dangerous ground. Please do not be deceived. Please open your eyes. Be not only a hearer of the word, be a doer. That's why he gives us this. It's almost like a hilarious illustration here when he talks about the mirror in verse 23. You see what he says in verse 23? He says, For anyone, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. James is saying that the person who hears the word of God, who reads the Bible and listens to sermons and comes to church, but then does not do anything about it, it would kind of be like if, like for the next hour, I spend the next hour in the men's restroom out there just studying my face in the mirror, like looking at it intently, studying every single detail, fixated upon myself, and then the moment I stepped out of that restroom into the lobby, if you came up to me and just said like, Hey, it's kind of a weird question, but can you describe yourself? And like, and if I just told you, yeah, of course. Like, well, uh, where should I start? I've got beautiful blonde curly hair, and I've got a really nice clean shaven face and a rock solid jawline and beautiful big blue eyes. You'd be like, uh, nope. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous, right? That's the very thing that James wants you to feel. He's saying that uh, this should feel absurd to hear the word of God and then not do it. It would be like a man looking at his face and then instantly walking away and forgetting what he looked like. He's saying the very definition of a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is someone who combines knowing the word, receiving the word of God, and then living out of it. You hear the word, and then you do the word. You receive the word, you do the word. Again, I feel like Eugene Peterson's really helpful here. He says, Uh, He says this, all Bible reading is for the sake of following Jesus. It all funnels into obedience, or it's supposed to. Obedience is the thing, living in active response to the live God. The most important question we ask of this text, meaning anytime we study the Bible, the most important question we ask of this text is not, what does this mean, which we kind of love to ask that question, right? What does this mean to you? I don't know, what does this mean to you? He's saying the most important question you can ask is not, what does this mean, but what can I obey? It's not so much that knowing the text leads to obeying it, but that obeying it leads to knowing it. Participation begets a desire for more. So maybe you're apathetic right now. Maybe you feel like your heart really isn't in it. Maybe you feel... You just don't want to really do the things of God. It's not that you don't mentally believe them and agree with them, but you just feel like right now your heart is miles away from your head. What does James say? He says, do the word. 
And it's in the doing that our hearts catch up. And we don't naturally think this way, right? I mean, we kind of think, man, I don't really feel like my heart is in it. I don't feel like I really want to do it. I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely doing this. And I'm just going to kind of hold out. I'm just going to kind of pull out for a while. I'm going to wait until my heart is really in it. I think it's like, I, I hear that all the time. I understand that even. I think, um, you know, if I'm just kind of extending the benefit of the doubt, I feel like for a lot of people, um, that comes from a genuine place. Like it comes from a place of, like, I want to be honest. I want to be genuine here. I, I, I don't want to be just doing this out of obligation because if I'm just doing it out of obligation, I'm not really wanting to do it. And if I'm not wanting to do it, it's not good for me to be doing it. I understand that line of reasoning. But you know what I think James would say? I think James would say, you've got it backwards. He would lovingly say, you've got it backwards. You want to change? You want to get healthy? You want to deeply love God again and feel loved by God and be wrapped up in his great mission? Go, do, obey. It's in the doing that our hearts are liberated to truly enjoy him. So, as we kind of wrap up even tonight, maybe the question is, what is it that you need to do? What is it that you might even need to do tonight? Some of you, there, there might just be some things in your life right now that are preventing you from just truly enjoying God. Maybe it's unconfessed sin. Maybe it's some kind of habitual sin. Maybe it's just, maybe you just need to have a conversation with somebody who will lovingly listen and pray for you. Maybe you feel like you've been stuck in a rut for, for weeks, maybe even for months. And again, you feel like your heart is miles away from your head. And yeah, you mentally agree with a lot of stuff and you know a lot of stuff, but you don't feel like the emotions are behind that. And maybe you've just even been a little too prideful to ask for help. Maybe tonight is even an opportunity just for you to get honest with God. Maybe others of you, like, you're still at the very, very beginning of this entire process and you say, yeah, this is all very interesting, but perhaps you're not even in a place yet where you actually even have a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. Maybe tonight is where you begin that, where you make the decision that I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to turn my life over to him, not only to just receive the word of God, but I want to be a person who does it. Wherever you find yourself today on that spectrum, my prayer for all of us tonight is that as we just consider what Jesus has done for us, as we consider the gospel itself, that Jesus has died in our place for our sin to make us right again with God, that we would see how this motivates us, how that transforms us, how that changes us into be a people who not only continually receive the word of God, but consequently we then do it. That we are marked by a people who know God and do the scriptures. That we are marked by a people who receive the word of God and then do the word of God. And in that doing, I believe that God delights in honoring the way that we serve and obey. So I'm going to pray, and uh, I'm just going to ask that uh, that would be true in our lives, and then in just a moment, I'm going to give you some more uh, opportunities to, to respond. So why don't you pray with me now? Father, we are so grateful that uh, we have your word. God, we understand that is uh, nothing to be taken lightly. That truly is a gift. And I, just, I thank you that you have extended that gift to us. I just thank you for the way that you have uh, revealed who you are, and not only who you are, but how you have loved us. 
And the beauty of the gospel, Jesus stepping down into history, doing for us what we are incapable of doing ourselves. And so tonight, God, I just even thank you that we have your scriptures, but I also pray that we would be the type of people who not only receive it, but we would be the type of people who do it. God, I know that for the, for the person here today who's struggling to believe, for the person today who feels like their heart is far from where their head is, Lord, I just pray that your spirit would miraculously, supernaturally then bring those affections into alignment. God, I pray that you would do that. We know that you are alone are the one capable of doing that. And so, Father, I pray that you would make that happen. Even as we sing in just a moment, God, I pray that you would begin to propel our heart to know and believe who you are. Make us believe, Jesus. That's what we're asking. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, now we're going to give you the opportunity to respond tonight. We're going to do that in a couple different ways like we do every single week. We're going to sing. Uh, as a family, we're going to stand to proclaim the truth of who God is. And uh, so we're going to invite you to stand and, and sing with us in just a moment. We're going to take communion. If you're a follower of Jesus or you want to become a follower of Jesus, you can come forward and take the bread, dip it in the cup, remembering what Christ has done on your behalf. We're also going to pray. We're going to have men and women in the back corners of this room. And if you would just want to receive prayer tonight, maybe it's something heard, maybe it's something unrelated, but if you would love men and women just to pray for you or over you, there are going to be men and women who would love to do that for you. Finally, uh, the the last way that you have the opportunity to respond tonight is something that uh, Justin referenced earlier. Throughout the entirety of this James series, we really just want to give you practical ways for you to put these types of things into practice. I love how James closes this letter uh, in this uh, chapter, verse 27. He says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Basically, he identified two groups of peoples, certain children and, and certain women who were both marginalized and at great risk for being taken advantage of. And in keeping with the spirit of what James has said here at the end of this chapter, we just want to give you an opportunity to see what it looks like for us as a people today to look after the orphan and the widow or for certain groups of children, certain groups of women who are at risk. I want to tell you about two organizations very, very briefly. And then after we conclude our time in the lobby, there's going to be a table set up where there'll be some people that are going to be eager to teach you about different opportunities, how you can take next steps with these organizations. The first organization is the Sacred Heart House. The Sacred Heart House is a program that provides temporary housing and food, emergency shelter, and clothing to women and children who are homeless. Phenomenal ministry, and actually right here in our neighborhood, just a few blocks down the street. And this is an opportunity for you. If you're interested in helping women and children who are homeless, you could get involved even this very week. Secondly, the other organization I want to tell you about tonight is the International Justice Mission. IJM is a global organization that works to protect the poor from violence. Uh, Particularly, they help fight modern-day sex trafficking and slavery. And here's an opportunity for uh, you to be a part of an organization that does work locally as well as around the globe. Incredible organization. We have a handful of people in our church that work alongside both of these organizations, and we'd love to get you connected. So you've got a number of different ways that you can respond tonight. Throughout this James series across the summer, you're going to have all kinds of opportunities to be a part of this. You're going to have opportunities not only to just hear the word, but do the word. 
that's our desire for you. That's our desire for our church. And we pray that God would just make that happen amongst us. So as the spirit leads you to respond, you can now do that at this time.